All right, let's turn the Word of God to Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. <coughs> turn there. Amen. One of my favorite books in the Bible, Ruth. <coughs> and we'll read verses 3 through 22. Ruth chapter 1, verses 3 through 22. <coughs> Say this in the Word of God. Ruth 1, verse 3. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Milan and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Verse 6, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn ye again, my daughters, go your way. For I am too old to have an husband. If I should say, I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. For the Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part me and thee. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. Let's pray. Father, again, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and grace. And Lord, we thank you for each one that's here. Again, Lord, we thank you for each one that's uh, listening in. Lord, we thank you uh, for these uh, missionaries that are here tonight. Thank you for uh, their faithfulness and just continue to meet their needs and bless them. We pray for the healing of this uh, leg, God, that you'd work a miracle there. Bless them. Lord, thank you for uh, Brother Horn. And Lord, as he's getting uh, resettled, Lord, just continue to guide him and give him wisdom about decisions that he needs to make and his family and all that's going on there. Lord, just each of us tonight, Lord, we thank you for a place called Mount Calvary. We thank you for that day 
The Holy Spirit of God revealed that place to us uh, through the Word of God. And Lord, we put our trust in what Jesus Christ did there through his death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here tonight or somebody listening, and Lord, they've not yet been to Mount Calvary by faith, that even tonight, Lord, their heart were turned to you. Now, Lord, I pray you'd help those that have physical need, the many uh, sick among us. Please be with them, those that need comfort with the passing of a loved one. And Lord, just a, a lot of things. God, you know what the need is, and we trust you. We rest in your faithfulness. Now, Lord, help us as we look at this thought tonight and our desires that in everything Jesus Christ would be glorified. We would continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of him and be the servants you've called us to be. And, Lord, you would build your local church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so uh, as we uh, look at something tonight here, you know, I've often uh, uh, joked, of course, uh, the military, you know, I said, you know, talking about church size and all these things, I said, you know, a lot of people want to be a battalion commander, right? You know, they want to have that, that big group. And I said, but I'd rather, uh, not that I wouldn't like to have a, a larger church, but I'd rather be the platoon leader of special forces, right? Usually when you think of a battalion, uh, you think of regular forces, but when you think of, uh, you know, regular forces, usually, you know, they train just their thought is training people, training those soldiers. But when you think about special forces, you don't think about them just training people. You think about each one they train, they're training them to be a leader, right? If you want to add, right, train people. If you want to multiply, train leaders, train leaders, because what? When somebody's a leader, they want somebody under them so they can lead, Right. And so if you just train some people, you think, well, their job is just to follow. So if you train leaders and they get the thought, hey, I want to get more people under me. I want to get more people in. So, and of course, you know, I enjoy reading books about uh, leadership. Why? Well, one day I hope uh, I can be a better leader. I enjoy reading books. I talk about a lot about being a team, team player. Why? Because I want to be a better team player. I read a lot of books about understanding people. Why? Because, oh, I want to understand people. <laughs> Amen. Help me, Lord. Help me. Right? Amen. want to understand people better. But of course, uh, the best book on these subjects, the best book on leadership is the Bible. The best book on being a team player is the Bible. The best book on uh, knowing, understanding people and caring about people is the Bible. So all these things that matter where you read it, the principles, right, come from the Word of God. And I think, you know, all believers should have the qualities of a leader. We talk about, well, these are qualities of labor. Really, there are qualities that everybody should have. Every believer should have. So it doesn't mean everybody may have a specific uh, position of leadership, but leadership is what? Simply, again, influence. Listen, everybody in here has a life that they influence, whether it's your parent, whether it's on the, uh, the job or, or people that you're connected with. And of course, I talk a lot about that. And so, you know, I think of our, our young people uh, specifically. They're on my heart a lot lately. And you know what? I want our young people to be leaders among their peers, right? I think of uh, uh, Zach and Zach and Joshua and uh, uh, these young men, you know, David. I don't want them to be, enough. Uh, uh, they have good peers, right? I want them to be influenced, but I want them to be able to influence their peers. When it comes to friends, hey, I want them to be the influence. That's a big word today, right? In a negative sense. But hey, I want our young people to be influencers among their peers, among their generation. And that's what we want. So uh, tonight, I'd like to start a series of lessons, some lessons on leadership and qualities in the Bible, 
All right. And so now usually when we think of, again, uh, think of uh, leaders, you know, we think of, of course, uh, men and men should take the lead. Right. Men should take the lead in their home. Men should take the lead uh, uh, in uh, the church. Right. We, we understand that. But, you know, uh, women need to have some those qualities, too, right, because they have a lot of influence on their children. And even the Bible teaches that, you know, older women uh, guiding uh, the young woman. Right. So they need to have uh, know how to have influence and be a blessing uh, to them. You know, different qualities like, uh, you know, being a being a good uh, listener, being a, a problem solver. I've talked about that before. Right. People uh, you, on your job, you want to be known as a problem solver because then that shows that they need you. How to d- develop relationships and have strong relationships, self-discipline. And of course, uh, servanthood is an important. And of course, uh, I've, I've uh, dealt with a lot of these, but uh, now I want to sort of go through some of them. And of course, one of the main ones, and I've talked about this that a leader need to have is what? Character. And we've talked about that. Of course, we talked about David. We've looked a lot about David. And again, the, uh, we've looked at those verses, looked at them recently, and how he showed character and strength, of course, by the way he dealt with Saul, right? He had, a couple times he had a chance to kill Saul, uh, but he didn't. And so he showed that he had uh, uh, proper uh, values. He had the right qualities. Had, he had uh, character because he didn't uh, uh, kill uh, Saul. He didn't touch the Lord's anointed, even though those around him tried to pressure him to do that. But instead, he took the leadership. Instead of letting them influence him in a situation, he influenced them. And uh, young people, that's how you want to be. When uh, people come around you and they're trying to get you to do the wrong thing, Right. Don't let them influence you. You take the lead. All right. And you uh, do the right thing and the better thing and influence them in that situation. So David uh, uh, was a good example of one with character in those situations. Another person we think of when we think of character, of course, is uh, Daniel. Daniel was a great leader who showed great character, of course, uh, under several kings. And when he was faced with the lions, and we all know about Dave, Daniel and the lions then, I just want to give you a couple verses that so, uh, show Daniel showing good character uh, uh, when he faced the lions then. Of course, in several places he did. But in Daniel 6.10, it says this. You don't have to turn there because this is just sort of introduction. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, see, he knew. And that's a strong character. What? He went to his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Right. We've talked about this before. Right. What's the only way they could get Daniel? Right. Because of his character, the only way they could get Daniel was to make right his 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 christian stand or his biblical stand illegal and get the leader to go along with it we've talked about that because how are they trying to get christians today they're trying to take our make our biblical stands illegal and get the leader of the country to go along with it and what did daniel do he showed great character he just kept on doing what he'd always been doing, and that's all we need to do, right? No matter what laws they pass, no matter what they they do, we just need to keep on doing what we're supposed to do and show character as Christians. 
And then in Daniel 6, 21, right, they threw him in the lion's den. And of course, you know, something about the king, he tried to get him out of it. But you know, that law, the Medes and the Persians, right, <laughs> can't be changed. And so the king uh, was nervous about him all night. And look at the character that David showed when the king came back to check on him. He said, oh, king, live forever. And that shows great character. He didn't speak against the king. He still showed respect uh, to the leader. And then it says this about Daniel in 6 to 8. So Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now we know Cyrus was a pretty good leader, but not all the leaders that he, were, he was under were good leaders. But you know what? He still prospered. And so listen, it's not about who's in uh, uh, the White House, right? We don't focus on the White House. We focus on the right house, amen? The church of God and uh, who's on the throne. And uh, no matter who's in charge there, we can still continue to be the right thing and God can still bless us and we can still prosper no matter what's going on in our nation. Now, as far as bad character, King Herod in the New Testament showed bad character as a leader concerning his dealing with the wise men. Remember, the wise men came and uh, they were trying to, they stopped by to see the king. And of course, the king said this to them in Matthew 2, 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring him word again that I may come and worship him also. And then it says this, we know that the wise men left. And then it says this in Matthew 2, 16, then Herod when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So uh, it's very uh, uh, clear in the Bible as you study it, uh, young people, that, listen, uh, all the characters and all the things you need to know about being a good leader and how not to do as a leader, you can find in the Word of God. Great examples of good leadership, great examples of good leaders with good character and uh, plenty uh, with uh, bad character as we see there. But so that was sort of review because I've talked about uh, uh, that before. But tonight, as we read in Ruth and some other places, I want to focus on the quality of Commitment, commitment. And of course, the fact that you're here tonight shows that uh, uh, you uh, have a pretty good idea what that uh, quality means. Now, when you hear the word quality, what comes into your mind? Now, we need some uh, class uh, participation here. What comes in your mind? What kind of words come in your mind when you think about commitment? Anybody? Don't be shy. Yes, David. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Loyalty. Loyalty. Dependability. Dedication. Right. And so uh, commitment. So we want to talk about that, right? Engagement, responsibility, duty. That's a big one. Uh, uh, making a vow and committing to it. So commitment, of course, commitment. You know, we think about the church, but commitment, young people, is a key word in marriage, right? That's a, that's a key word. Everybody, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, you know, we always think about, of course, you know, oh, I love him. I love her. That's great. Amen. I'm glad you know that word love. They all know the word love, but you better know the word commitment. You better know the word trust. And actually, uh, listen, you better let trust, you better build that bridge of trust with somebody, amen, before you uh, let uh, love roll out to that person, right? You better build that bridge of trust and understand what that means. So 
Of course, uh, let me give you this. The world has never seen a great leader who lacked real commitment. That's because true commitment inspires and attracts others. Followers need to know they can count on their leader, right? That he's committed to the cause, right? You want to know whoever the Lord puts in front of you, right? That they, hey, they're trying to lead me somewhere and that they're committed to that cause. Hey, is this person committed to the cause of Christ? And whatever the case might be. And of course, great commitment always precedes great achievement. But many people want everything to be, before, uh, to be perfect before they're willing to commit themselves to anything, right? Well, listen, you're not going to get very uh, far uh, in the things of God if you want to understand everything before you commit, if you want to know everything uh, before you commit. And uh, of course, you know this as Christians, you've been saved the only time, but you ask anybody uh, uh, in the ministry or everybody, you know, ask any uh, missionary, listen, if the Lord would have showed you everything that was going to happen uh, when you went to the mission field over the years, uh, would you have uh, uh, stepped out? Uh, you know, well, <laughs> you probably say, yes. Well, yeah, it's easy to say now that you've already been through it, but, uh, and uh, some of you, right, you think of things you've been through uh, as, as Christians. But listen, uh, because we know our Lord's committed, amen, uh, when he calls to do something, we can commit. Well, uh, so it's, it's important to know this. We can't be half-hearted, right, because a half-hearted attempt rarely succeeds. Listen, when you, uh, as, as a missionary, boy, when you step out, you better be committed. Lord knows I've seen a lot of people be there for a while and come back. But uh, the necessary steps, of course, are commitment, then action, then achievement. When it comes to commitment, right, uh, there are basically four types of people. And you see them at work. You even see them in church. I like this. The cop-outs. <laughs> the cop-outs, the people who have no goals and do not commit. The holdouts, people who don't know if they can reach their goal, so they're afraid to commit. The dropouts, people who started toward a goal but quit when the going gets tough. And boy, we've certainly seen, boys, I look back over the ministry, people that started out, amen, when I started out in the ministry 30-something years ago, unfortunately, we see dropouts. But I like this, the all-outs, people who set goals, com commit to them, and pay the price to reach them. I like that. And you see, certainly you see all these type of people in the Bible, right? Demas has what? Forsaking us, having loved this president of the world, right? He was a dropout. But thank God for the all-outs, the all-ins, as we've talked about. And again, you see these examples all through the Word of God. So, to increase your level of commitment, it's, first, it's important first to measure where it is right now. Hey, where is my level? It's important to check up on yourself. Where is my level of uh, commitment right now? You know, sometimes we think we're committed to something, right, when our actions indicate otherwise. You know, a good way to check is, you know, check our calendar, check our checkbook, check our to-do list and see how much of that included the Lord and the Lord's work and the Lord's will, All right? It's an important thing to check. Even though commitment is really only measured by actions, a leader's words of commitment are still important. Not only do they communicate your resolve and challenge people to trust you, they also give you motivation to follow through because the commitment has been made public. That's a good thing to do. 
right? That's why it's important when you're, when you're saying you're going to do something for God to get out there. Hey, let as, let as many people know uh, uh, as you can. They said that uh, uh, Thomas Edison, when he came up with an idea, even before he knew what he was going to do, he'd call a press conference, <laughs> let everybody know, and it's sort of, you know, because uh, he knew they would, they would check up on it. And so that's why it's good uh, to make things uh, uh, public. I've certainly, you know, have had to make things public, and I can't always say when somebody came to check up on me, oh, hey, how'd that go with you? Uh, get back with me, get back with me, right? But half-hearted leadership produces half-hearted followers. So we want to be committed, amen, and we want to help other people uh, commit. So as we look in Ruth here, right, we'll look at a few examples, but we see uh, uh, an example of commitment. Of course, you see the difference between Ruth and her sister-in-law, right? Notice again, verse 14. It says, and they lifted up their voice and wept again. And look at this, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but what? Ruth clave unto her. That word clave means to cling to join with, right? To say it, it refers to something sticky like glue, amen? And uh, that's how we need, we need to be uh, in, the, in the things of God. There's verses that, that talk about, talk about uh, that being committed to the Lord. But notice verse, let's, well, let's just go ahead and read verse through, down through verse 18. It says this, and she clave unto her, and she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people, and unto her gods return thou after thy sister-in-law. And again, notice what Ruth says. Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. This has to be some of the greatest statements of commitment in the Word of God. And boy, as you think about uh, your commitment to the Lord, think about these words. She clave unto her. It says, whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. In verse 18, notice this. When she saw that she was, notice this, steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Notice that statement, steadfastly minded. That is a statement that is a good definition for commitment. It means determined, courageous, persistent, ready to conquer. She's like, Naomi, let's do this. <laughs> That's basically she was saying, amen, we're going. Hey, Naomi, uh, let's, let's do this. And uh, that's, that's the way we want to be when we commit to the things of God. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. Now, you look at what Naomi did. What do you think Naomi's motivation was for wanting to send Orpah and Ruth uh, back. Do you think that was a good example of leadership there? Anybody want to touch that? <laughs> you think that was a good example? I know <laughs> that was not. Why wasn't it a good example of leadership? Right. Somebody else. 
Yeah, actually, I, 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 I've preached on this before. I mean, to, to me, that's like you have two daughter-in-laws and, right, your son's passed away and you said, hey, go on back out there in the world and, you know, uh, go back. I mean, to your gods, you know, Naomi didn't uh, show much uh, spiritual. She wasn't a good leader here. Actually, uh, uh, Ruth was uh, the, the leader in this situation. Ruth uh, uh, set the tone. Naomi did not show uh, a leadership. This, she was a, a bad example here. But uh, why do you think Orpah took her advice and Ruth didn't? Why do you think Ruth was devoted to her mother-in-law? Why do you think Ruth was devoted to her mother-in-law? Anybody else? She was her favorite. She probably was her favorite mother-in-law. I'll agree with you there. She probably was. All right. Anybody else? Well, here's, here's what I wrote down. I think she was more devoted to the God of Israel than Naomi. Somehow, I don't know, was, if by chance her, her son, her, her husband that she'd been married to, maybe he was a little bit more spiritual than the others or what? I don't know what the case was. The Bible doesn't say we won't try to figure that out. But really, I think it was about she had made a commitment to God and she was more committed to God, the God of Israel than Naomi if I had to make a decision. And so, but Naomi, this is what I think, but Naomi was her way to be amongst God's people. Naomi was her way to be among God's people. Even if Naomi maybe wasn't the most spiritual person. Hey, uh, you know, it's like somebody uh, saying, hey, calling you up and say, hey, uh, you know, it's Sunday. Why don't you take the day off? Well, obviously that person's not very spiritual. And they're like, no, are you going to church? Well, I'm going with you. Well, the person that's taking you to church may not be uh, very spiritual, but you know, hopefully when you get there, there's some people that are pretty spiritual, amen, and people excited about the Lord. That's sort of like, you know, uh, she was using sort of Naomi as a ride to church that day, amen. And hopefully when she got to church, there were some people uh, more spiritual. That's sort of how I looked at it. At it. So that was her way to be among God's people. And she showed faithfulness. You see, even though Naomi wasn't what she should have been, Ruth showed her faithfulness and commitment to God by being faithful and committed to her mother-in-law. And that's how a lot of times, how do we show our commitment and faithfulness to God? Even when the person that we're dealing with may not be the most spiritual or maybe be what they ought to be, right? By showing our faithful and commitment to helping others, right? And that she could encourage because look how Naomi reacted when she got back. But we see as we go through the story of Ruth that Naomi changed. And what made her change? When Ruth stepped out and continued to trust God and she saw uh, Ruth being blessed and then uh, uh, Naomi got blessed by the overflow uh, uh, from Ruth, right? And then, of course, God worked all that out and then Naomi, I think, eventually got, eventually got things right. So uh, 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 we see Ruth's reply to Naomi. So based on Ruth's statements... Right. We see that Ruth was very committed. She sets a good example of commitment. Her her level of commitment was high. She was serious. Right. And uh, unless they're asked the question, what do you think would have happened? Right. If Naomi had ordered Ruth to go home. Anybody want to take a guess what they think would have happened if uh, Naomi would order Ruth to go home? Right. With the commitment level she had. Well, I put down this. I put, Ruth would have pulled her hair down. They would have had a breakdown, right? And uh, uh, it would have been a fight. Ruth's reward, right? And what was Ruth's reward for her commitment? She went out there, and of course, what happened? She met Boaz, 
and she became the great-grandmother to David. Why? Just because she made a commitment on that day. She showed faithfulness in little, right? Like the Bible shows us in the New Testament, because she was committed and she was faithful in little, amen, God blessed her with much. So we see a good example, right, of character. We see a good example of being fully committed and God blessing that full commitment in Ruth's life. Actually, I wanted to get into another one, but we don't. We, we, but that's just a, a, an, an introduction. But you know, as uh, 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 maybe uh, we'll finish that up on Wednesday night. But that's uh, think about that word this week and commitment and what that that means to you. And uh, you know, be willing to ask yourself, what is my uh, level of commitment? I know when you say it here tonight, you think you're uh, preaching to the choir, but yet, still, you know, like we talked about. Uh, uh, this morning in our heart, you know, what uh, real truth commitment is, what am I willing to die for? What am I willing to pay a serious uh, price for? And what am I truly committed to? Let's pray.